Well, the federal government has delivered the country's largest budget surplus. The final budget outcome figures for the 2022-2023 financial year shows a surplus of over $22 billion. Treasurer Jim Chalmers says the government is using the windfall to build buffers in the budget. The underlying cash balance was a surplus of $22.1 billion. That's 0.9% of GDP. Uh, this represents a $100 billion one-year turnaround since the last numbers released by our predecessors. This is the biggest turnaround in the budget in history. Peter Ryan is the ABC's senior business correspondent. Peter, I suppose he's just answered that question. How unusual is this surplus? Well, uh, John, good afternoon. When you think about everything that we've been through, through the uh, the COVID pandemic, uh, the war in Ukraine, it's quite remarkable when you consider that the previous federal government were talking about um, deficits as far as the eye can see and eye-watering debt. But the reality is that, OK, there might be a $22 billion surplus, um, the first one in 15 years, but it's probably going to be the last one uh, that we see for 50 years. The intergenerational report recently mentioned that. And also you've got to consider what's created this um, this surplus? Well, bad things, war and inflation. So you've got the war in Ukraine, you've got inflation around the world, there's greater demand for Australian commodities such as iron ore because uh, during the pandemic, but also more recently, there's been it's been harder to get them. So when that happens, uh, the federal government or Treasury gets uh, more corporate tax receipts from those sales. That adds to uh, Treasury coffers. And also there's... Um, record low unemployment. So that means more tax coming into the federal government. So that's all very good news. But the question is, you know, is this the best it's going to get? Is there any element of good management here? Well, I think that, uh, you know, as Jim Chalmers has said, that they they have been very wise in the in the last federal budget. They could have had an enormous cash splash because of the rising cost of living and and also um, the, the probably pressure to keep voters on side. But um, as Jim Chalmers said there, there, it's very important that they build up what's known as these fiscal buffers to make sure that you start paying down this debt as significantly as you can to prepare for what could be the next global shock. And, you know, these things seem to happen. We had the global financial crisis in 2009, the COVID pandemic that required enormous public and government spending and basically the creation of money by central banks. So got to prepare for the next one. Um, but also they've got to prepare for things like paying for the uh, National Disability Insurance Scheme, which mm -hmm. is going to be very costly, important and life-changing to so many Australians, but also the AUKUS submarine project, which is going to be costing us a lot of money over the years. So they need to get those buffers there so all of those very important things can be paid for. And, of course, things like uh, Medicare, aged care, education. Qantas's new CEO, Vanessa Hudson, has issued a public apology for a series of scandals that have damaged the airline's reputation, acknowledging it has been hard to deal with and promising to make changes to rebuild customer trust. Here's a bit of her video message sent out to customers today. Hello, I am Vanessa Hudson, the new CEO of the Qantas Group. I know that we have let you down in many ways, and for that I am sorry. We haven't delivered the way we should have, 
and we've often been hard to deal with. We understand why you're frustrated and why some of you have lost trust in us. I know that our people have tried their absolute best under very difficult circumstances. I want you to know that we're determined to fix it, to improve the experience for you and to support our people better. We want to get back to the national carrier that Australians can be proud of, that's known for going above and beyond. We understand we need to earn your trust back, not with what we say, but what we do and how we behave. Peter Ryan, is this a good way to start a new job? Well, um, from the uh, journalist's point of view, it's not a very good one because we should disclose to listeners that that was pumped out as a corporate video on YouTube. So um, normally when you have a new chief executive in the job, they might actually front up to a press conference where the new chief executive can actually take a few questions from journalists. So that was um, provided and uh, there was a single crew sent out to cover that. So um, that's what we would say, uh, spin doctors being at work. And we do know that Vanessa Hudson is a very, very strong person, is going to be a very strong chief executive of Qantas. But the challenges are uphill um, and, uh, you know, she needs to get out there and reach out to those um, to those travellers and the retailers and people who do feel the trust has been broken. And um, it, it's um, pretty tough. She's there. I, I interviewed the uh, chairman of Qantas, Richard Goida, mm-hmm. yesterday. He's under a lot of pressure as well because the way that um, boards operate, they're meant to be there to oversee the big decisions that uh, chief executives make, such as uh, Vanessa Hudson's predecessor, Alan Joyce. And uh, Richard Goyd is under a lot of pressure because some of the big decisions, including unlawfully sacking 1,700 ground workers, took place when Richard Goyd was chairman, uh, is chairman still, and uh, Alan Joyce was chief executive. Uh, so along with a, a, a number of other another, other decisions, of course, not they didn't know that the ACCC's allegations were coming about alleged uh, selling fares for flights that didn't exist. But there are some very big reputational issues that need to be uh, sorted out, and it's all landed there to Vanessa Hudson. And when you interviewed Mr Goida, was there any sense that he was as similarly apologetic as Vanessa Hudson? Oh, look, uh, very apologetic. And actually, I think that he got on the front foot. And, you know, as you would understand, I'd been pestering for his interview (laughs) for some time. And they delivered him. And I've known him from way back when he was uh, the chief executive of Wes Farmers when they did the the big Coles Meyer takeover. But they're admitting, they're saying, look, everyone's made errors. If they look back in the past, um, there's some big problems with trust. Qantas uh, needs to become uh, more of a humble airline to be more in touch with the travellers. Um, you know, and, and this is response to complaints or concerns that there was a high degrees of complacency and arrogance. But on the other side, if you look at the success of Alan Joyce, which has actually been a little bit underplayed, took Qantas through the global financial crisis, record high fuel prices, the pandemic that took the airline almost to the brink of insolvency. Well, um, the last year he delivered a, an after-tax profit of $1.7 billion after um, registering $7 billion of losses in recent years. So that's sort of been swept away by the ACCC investigation and some of the reputational problems. But when you, you can't have that, you can't be keeping shareholders happy. When you've got workers unhappy, you've got customers unhappy, you've got the community unhappy and boards are there to operate for the best interests of the company, not just separate stakeholders. Great time to be a senior, be- senior business correspondent, Peter. 
Yeah, it's been pretty uh, interesting today, uh, John, and, you know, <laughs> Rupert Murdoch retiring. I woke up this morning very early and uh, checked the emails, and at first I thought, well, it's uh, it's the it's the worst news for Rupert Murdoch, but no, it's just a new chapter where he's retiring. And so, uh, yeah, and without, without notice, Peter, about him, I mean, I mean, you... It, he would you class him as Australia's most successful businessman ever? Oh, certainly I would. I mean, you've just got to look at the the story of Rupert Murdoch. Yes, he came from wealth in Melbourne, but when his father, Sir Keith Murdoch, died in the early 1950s, he received a tiny afternoon newspaper in Adelaide, the Adelaide News, and from that small media asset, he built up this empire buying, you know, assets in Sydney, owned uh, a big part of the 10 network here, but took on establishment in Britain and the United States, even, you'll recall, gave up his Australian citizenship so he could own media assets or a, a news network in the uh, TV network in the United States. And also going big, like with the Times in London, the Wall Street Journal, but also staying true to his tabloid instincts with, of course, the news of the world, which he had to get rid of after the phone hacking scandal. So mm. a, a remarkable career, but a lot of debate over over the damage that may have been done to democracy through the, the power that Mr Murdoch was able to, is able to wield. And given his extraordinary drive and success, it's just hard to think that he's going to be satisfied with being the chairman emeritus and not still try to yield some influence in News Corp and Fox. You have to sort of view this through the whole succession strategy, and he's been working on this for some time. There have been a few bumps on the road. Even Lachlan, uh, who's now running the joint, um, walked away from the family for a while, but now Rupert has made the decision. Lachlan is uh, becoming chairman in his own right. But uh, as emeritus uh, chairman, uh, Rupert will be there, not directly in the boardroom, but in you know an advisory role. You can imagine that if... Um, Rupert saw a deal underway or a remove, he might be raising an eyebrow or picking up the phone and uh, certainly letting uh, Lachlan Murdoch know his views about what's happening to the, to the empire. But you've, you've got to look at Rupert Murdoch, you know, the, the world's greatest media titan um, in the pre-digital world. ABC Senior Business Correspondent Peter Ryan, thanks very much for speaking with us. Pleasure, John.